Hey friends, it's John Klein III of episode 60 of Shadow and Flame of Magic, the podcast. We're going to review issue 42 of Power Pack as we continue our Inferno coverage. So let's get to it, to it, to it. And thank you, Francisco, for providing the theme song to the podcast. We really appreciate it. And you... And this is Power Pack 42, Inferno Continues, Childhood's End, Revenge of the Boogeyman Part 1. And we have the new version of the Boogeyman on the cover, who's all white with tiny eyeballs and big old teeth saying, Welcome to your nightmare. The comic would have cost you 125 nope, $1.25, a dollar or... 175 in Canada and 50 pence. Um, oh, fancy comic for the inside cover is the uh, credits. This came out in December 1988. And welcoming back so brightly. Oh, uh, John Bogdanov. Who both wrote in pencil lightly, Dan Stan Drake, who finished in ink tightly, Don Hudson inking the background slightly, uh, Glennis Oliver, who still colors brightly, Carl Potts editing nightly, Tom DeFogo, editor in chief, politely. So they're doing a little rhyming scheme. I'm not exactly sure why, but it keeps it fun. We all like that. Revenge of the Boogeyman, Part 1. Presented for your consideration, one Douglas Carmody, alias the Boogeyman, an ex-businessman who for the past year has been only one aim in life, to destroy four children whose only crime was to be mistaken for mutants. For you see, Douglas Carmody is a bigot, one of the particular breed of human that hates and fears any person, group, or thing that smacks of being different. In this case, mutant kind, people whose radical genetic structure gives them unusual abilities. The fact that the four power children are not genuine mutants is no deterrent to Mr. Kermaldi, because bigotry is a blind obsession. Now, I should say right now, this, this book, like, swings big and really takes on some issues. Portrait of a blind man, then, a man consumed by hatred, who... Until moments ago, thought he was in reach of his goal, but now finds himself plunging in slow motion through limbo, an alternate dimension not only for the time and space, but of horror, a place that for Douglas Carmody could well prove far worse than any Twilight Zone. And so we see him falling into limbo as um, Narcir is taunting him. And we see all the limbo demons are tearing at him. And so Nasir says, Douglas, how nice of you to come. So glad I could be here for your arrival. I take it this means you shall be unable to complete our bargain to deliver to me the children, earthling human children I wish to purchase. Yes, you must take alternate arrangements. Oh, the smell. This can't can't be real. Douglas, are you listening to me? 
Oh, and he's stripped naked now. My name is Nasir, remember? You are in my world now. You seem a bit disoriented, Douglas. Let's refresh your memory, shall we? Let's look back to when you first met those four children you call Power Pack. Funny how no one else seemed to realize what a threat they were. You had to fight them all by yourself. I guess we see the first appearance of him fighting them. Then when they allied themselves to three warriors from Shudder, Asgard. And we see the Warriors 3. Um, Valtzreg is wearing a big old I Love New York shirt, which is fun. Hogan and Frando are in their classic uniforms. And then we get the panel um, that made me buy this comic in the first place. You finally found an ally in the form of an organization known as The Right. But Power Pack had allies too. The accursed new mutants. Their sorceress, the demon Dark Child, Ilyana Rasputin, cast you into limbo. And I guess that must have happened recently, but I don't see any um, narration boxes that tip us to which issues. But clearly that's the outfit he wore right here, so it must have been at issue 41. Um, which I should see if Power Pack had is in my com- 41 comics, because one would think um, that would be the case. Yeah, I just checked. I don't see it. So maybe it's from our earlier, earlier episode and we're just now catching up to him in Limbo. Anyway, so uh, Nasir is taunting him and that's it. So this breeze through the rest of this book, even though it's very caption heavy. And as we all know, we this podcast, if anything, is inspired by Michael Ian Black's um, Michael Ian Black's Obscure where um i think he only did it for three seasons but the second one was frankenstein and where he just reads along with public domain books but i'm trying to same, but with comics and where it pays off the 80s books where you know it's caption heavy it's a little early for such a heat wave when the air settles like a hot blanket of ash cake sweats suits transforming new york into a smudge pot of smoke human sweat and sewage a city choking drowning in a morass of its own effluvia if i guess so and i gotta say these next couple pages you just feel the heat and the dryness like just radiating off the page just down the hill from Columbia University where Harlem meets the Upper West Side, the streets smolder in the sm- muffling shadow of the earth. Even the sounds of traffic are bent and stifled into vague and distant strains of sharp and, sharps and flats. Heats of gas-plotted green plastic bags leaking the sticky fermented juices of a week's uncollected garbage make a single file walled obstacle course of the sidewalk vile black water swisses underfoot from some ignored broken sewer line amidst the noxious refuge people perch on brownstone stoops in a vain attempt to escape atonement in oven hot buildings other people file through the streets in a launching leaden slow motion ballet some frantically looking for escape, others for violent diversion, and some just go home. For an exhausted pro- professor Jim Power, it is an effort to press through the salty 
air, breathing in its like breathing dirty mortar oil. The airborne par particles pop pollution clings to his sodden, knocked, knotted clothing, silting into the pores of his skin. It burns his cheeks, eyes, and lungs like an acid sandstorm. It's been a bad week. Flooding cutbacks at NSF, National Science Foundation, threaten his research grant. The cooling system in his Columbia lab has been out of the week, and the relenting heat causes computer failure and destroy two months' work. Yet his most immediate concern is for his family. And he's just traveling, and he finally gets home, and his wife... I forget her name oh Margaret she welcomes home him home she's been exhausted all the kids are sick and she can't remember the last time they were sick and he's just happy to be home she's exhausted she's been trying to clean but nothing can stay clean um interestingly like so he checks on the kids because who cares about a clean house he just wants the kids feeling better her not to be exhausted which is the right move and everyone's shirtless except for Julie, which is weird. I mean, I guess it's 88, so... I don't know, it's just interesting. It's something to take note of Kate being shirtless, which I remember in the 88, like, my younger sister, who must have been probably around this age, like, you know, doing slip and slides shirtless, and it wasn't until a neighbor mentioned one of those things where you think it's your normal until someone mentions how it's not. And it was like, like she should be wearing a shirt. And it's like, oh, like, why are you even looking? Which I remember thinking that just at that age, but also being like, oh, maybe she should be. I don't know. Like, but I wasn't wearing a shirt, so I was like, sure. But anyways, it was the 80s. Um, so they're going to try to run the bath. And when they turn on the faucet, uh, sewage comes out of it, and it's disgusting, and no one knows what to do about it. The Cross Bronx Expressway, freak accidents, fire, and unscheduled road construction has backed up traffic from the GW Bridge through Co-op co City, which I don't know what Co-op City is. Thousands of desperate commuters slowly expiring their broiling metal boxes glued to an eight-mile strip of flypaper. Motionless in a glowing velvet mamaja of man, there's some words in this book of carbon monoxide, diesel, and gasoline. Brains melt like the sticky, steaming asphalt in the blistering heat. Like the silicone which brings insanity to which, caught by scorching winds, the heat drives an already violent. I thought I heard thunder. I was like, huh? Violent brown gangs into a fevered frenzy of mayhem and destruction. They descend on the trapped and helpless motorists like a swarm of hornets. And this guy legit knocks out a driver, takes his wallet, and literally mentions, huh, No wonder you didn't want to come across, Hoey. Yes, sir, I'm going to get into this right now. Jeez, i never seen this much coke in one place before. I could stay wired for a month, man. So, like, legit comics in the 80s because straight up reference coke and then we see the new boogeyman just like in his favorite new move just grabs him by the, the junkie by the head and just like just squeezes it completely to a plop with a pop glitch he's dead and then we get back to the powers children and they're just exhausted wondering 
they thought they were under the impression on see issue 35 that they could never get sick that they have a healing factor uh kate's just happy that um it just makes her feel normal like yeah regular kids get sick and so do we and so there's no amount of fans that can keep them uh, cooled. Meanwhile, the Cross Bronx Expressway and people are... And we don't quite get the impression this is Inferno related. It's just legit people seeing an opportunity to commit chaos and havoc. And oh, and now the boogeyman, the newly reformed boogeyman, is just destroying people. And he grabs another guy by his neck and just cracks, like you know, with a chud. Like he's dead now. We see him from the cover, but um, zoomed out a little. And he just all white, giant head, giant like torso, but then like normal arms and legs. I don't know. He he definitely looks. Um, bizarre dusk falls on new york like an iron lid bringing no cool breath to the sweltering airless maze and the city's dark bowels it is an already night it is already night then signs and lights of times square spring awake to crackle and hum the scorched ozone haze already the streets of manhattan have begun to take on a supernatural hellish aspect but the citizens of this lowly place would be hard to put to tell the difference until now. Because all of a sudden we see um, the stepping desk opens up and just all the demons come out. Follow the trail of these events in New- Mutant 71 that we just reviewed last week. So that's nicely done. Oh, no, no, two weeks ago. And so we're back at the powers. The parents are trying to just keep cleaning. Um, and just trying to stay cool. See Avengers 298 for the answer to this mystery, which is a reference to... It's a giant radio show, so I'm trying not to read all of it. But whether or not these are figments of hysteria or results of the unrelenting heat is unknown at this time. Due to the failure of services and communications... Around town, it is known that vandalism, sickness, and seemingly impossible disasters are plaguing the city at, at a time when the group of superheroes known as the Avengers have permanently disbanded, according to reports. Why the well-known group of self-styled do-gooders has chosen to cease operating at a time of New York's greatest need is not known. So that was in 298, which, um... Uh, we did 299, so I, I don't know, but I did question why Cap was looking for the Richards instead of any of his superhero friends. Um. The older power, Alex? Is it? Yeah, Alex Powers? That sounds right. I think that's also the lead singer of The Calling, one of my favorite bands. So he's going to try to help out his parents and he he gets off the top bunk and just like crashes on the ground. His mother right rushes to him and tries to um, take him to the bathroom and the bathroom's just covered in moss or sewage or something disgusting so she runs out of the room trying to not find a place to throw up and he's using his powers to um, absorb all the <clears throat> the moss or the hick and it's not working like he makes a path to the bath, the toilet and then it all comes 
forming immediately back. Um, Margaret's telling oh man, Professor Powers, whose first name is Jim. And all of a sudden there's this blaring sound and they're like covering their ears as they don't know what's happening. Oh yeah, the microwave's coming alive. And then she, uh, Margaret smashes it with a rolling pin. Because you gotta have those around. Um, the boogeyman has entered the Powers' uh, bedroom. And starts choking Julie. And she escapes. And then she tries to calm Kate down. Oh, because oh, they don't know it's the boogeyman yet. It's just a white arm from under the bed. And then the the parents have packed an overnight bag. They're about to grab them out. When all of a sudden the roof tears apart. And the boogeyman's there. And he immediately takes their parents hostage. And there's only one thing they can do. They end the issue with, we are power pack. Now put them down, Potato Face, so we can kick your backside, says the younger brother. Oh no, how can they do this to the pack? Even if Power Pack can save their parents, how can they survive this premise-busting revelation? Because the parents can never know that they're Power Pack or they'll lose their ever-loving minds. All we can say is to... It had to happen, and you may be sorry if you asked for it. Be here for part two in six weeks. Then we get letters from S. Daniel Carter from Knoxville, Tennessee. J. Perry from... Firm... Fairmont, California, Fairmont, Fremont, Fremont, uh, Angela Connor from Illinopolis, Indiana. Oh man, two pages of letters. Oh man, this one letter by Roy Vilbohm goes from one page to the next. From Oshkosh, Wisconsin, uh, Mike Kosak from Northampton, Massachusetts. Where the Ninja Turtles are from. Or where Mirage Studios, precisely. John P. Kill Killinger from Green Bay, Wisconsin. And then we get the final caption box. The Melanie Gerald Riddle of the Month. Who is the snottiest supervillain Power Pack has ever had to face? Give me three seconds. One, two, three. The Boogeyman. Finally, finally no. Please send your pics submissions in black and white only or they can't be printed no matter how good they are and then we get some bonus page which we really hope this issue where um, we get the power packs parents Jim and Margaret power pack to kill millions which are the horse alien horse race people and next issue Inferno and introduction Xavier school gifted as uh, we see the boogeyman has defeated their parents Kate Katie's uh, crying and the younger brother's going to fight him and Alex is holding Katie back. Back cover ad is for Infernal, Uncanny X-Men 240 to 242, New Mutant 71 to 73, X-Factor 36 to 38. Oh no, there's definitely some night thundering. And so that concludes our inferno coverage next week we'll be back to exterminators 4 as that concludes um and then 
I believe our next current comic room review is X-Men 26, which was incredible. And then last week, uh, Ultimate Invasion 3 came out and Magic's in there. And it was an okay book. I, I don't know much else to write about, but she's pretty fierce in it. Standing up for herself and representing Russia. Um, so come back next week for that. For those two issue episodes for sure. And if you want to read up on any of my writing, you can do that at shadowandflamewithmagic.com. Um, you can look for that image of magic and the new mutants from this issue on um, Twitter and Instagram at SNFWM. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and Blue Sky at JackalSIII. And if you would give a subscribe and ask a friend too, um, we appreciate it as it helps the podcast grow. And I will talk at you next time. All right, everyone. Bye.